This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. West Virginia has more than 500 miles of rail trails, but not all the local groups have what they need to connect one trail to the next. We just have to keep up the momentum and keep providing communities, counties, and trail groups with the resources they need to be successful. That story and more this West Virginia Morning. Union Carbide is seeking to renew an air quality permit for its institute plant. As Curtis Tate reports, the facility emits a flammable gas that's a known carcinogen. Ethylene oxide is a colorless flammable gas with a sweet odor. It's used to make antifreeze as well as pesticides and sterilizing agents. Union Carbide transfers ethylene oxide from railroad tank cars to storage tanks in Institute, where it is then distributed to facilities in Institute and South Charleston. Despite a flaring system to control fugitive emissions, some of the gas does escape. According to Union Carbide's permit application with the Department of Environmental Protection, the Institute facility emits 400 pounds of ethylene oxide per year, with the potential to emit as much as three tons. DEP and the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency are monitoring ethylene oxide levels in the air in the Kanawha Valley. They are supposed to release a report by the end of this year. The public can comment on Union Carbide's permit application through November 14th. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. A mental health provider in the North Central region is the latest to receive federal funding to expand services. As Chris Schultz reports, the money will also help attain a federal certification. Valley Healthcare Systems of North Central West Virginia was recently awarded a four-year, $1 million grant from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration as part of a Department of Health and Human Services initiative. Valley Health CEO Brian Sharp says the money will help expand mental health services in Marion, Monongalia, Preston, and Taylor counties as part of the state's comprehensive behavioral health clinic program. This latest expansion of the community mental health model into this more more expansive, better funded system could be a large part of the cure for the problems that we have with mental health in America. West Virginia currently has 13 comprehensive behavioral health clinics, a model designed to ensure access to coordinated, comprehensive behavioral health care. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Charleston. Between books and a television series, generations have followed the lives of the eight-year-old aardvark Arthur and his friends. Mark Mark Brown created the series and will be speaking this weekend at the West Virginia Book Festival in Charleston. News director Eric Douglas spoke with him earlier this week to learn more about his career and Arthur. Not that you need a whole lot of introduction, but tell me who Mark Brown is. You know, I guess Mark Brown is uh, most often thought of as the creator of Arthur. I have to admit that this little bedtime story I told my son years ago turned into a book, Arthur's Nose, and then turned into more books about Arthur. And I never imagined a television series or kids in different countries around the world watching Arthur. But that's literally where it started was a bedtime story for your son? Yes, it was. How did you come up with an aardvark? I guess uh, thinking uh, alphabetically. And then uh, alliteration, he asked for a name of the character and Arthur popped into my head. 
Uh, and so we were off to the races and he wanted a little drawing. And so I did this little doodle of an aardvark who had a long nose. Your most recent book, Believe in Yourself, What We Learned from Arthur. What did we learn from Arthur? Well, I think we learned a lot about uh, what an average eight-year-old aardvark is capable of showing children, um, by example. You know, he's he's navigating the mud puddles of life, and he doesn't always get things right, but what eight-year-old does, right? Um, and I think kids see themselves in Arthur and his friends. And uh, I, my wonderful friend, Fred Rogers, taught me so much about how to use television in helpful ways for children. And he was a great example. So, uh, you know, between my idea and things that I learned from Fred, um, I think, you know, I have to credit uh, Fred for a lot of the things that uh, are good about Arthur. I know child literacy is a, is a big uh, issue. I don't know the best way to phrase it, but as a big thing for you is, is focusing on child literacy. It's important for every child to love reading because no matter what they want to do in life, reading is the foundation for, for everything. Uh, and kids will ask me, you know, how can I, what can I do if I want to be an author? Well, the most important and helpful thing that anyone can do is read and understand what you read because uh, it's like playing basketball or playing the piano. You have to practice. You don't often find writers who are also illustrators of children's books. Normally those are, those are two separate human beings. Um, and I'm sure in the later years you were using illustrators and that sort of thing. But you started out as as the illustrator and writer for, for Arthur. I, I think of myself as an illustrator who had to write uh, to be able to produce books. Uh, and, it, you know, it's it's the hardest part uh, for me of making the book process is writing that story, getting building that foundation on which I can elaborate and have fun with the pictures. And I, I have to credit growing up with two wonderful storytellers, my great-grandmother and my grandmother, who told us stories whenever we wanted them. And they were always wonderful. Uh, so that's I think that's what gave me the confidence to think I could make a story. So what's next for you, Mark? I am working on the most exciting project right now. Something I always wanted to do is develop uh, an animated series for younger kids, younger than Arthur's audience was. And uh, it's called Hop. It's about a little frog and one leg is a little shorter than the other. And his friends who, you know, have different things, just disabilities, some of them that they're dealing with, but we really don't focus on what those are or how they don't impact what those kids can accomplish. It's about friendship, working together. What can you accomplish? The power of friendship, um, staying with a problem, even though you may not solve it. 
That was Mark Brown, the author of the children's series, Arthur, speaking with Eric Douglas. Brown will be speaking at 11 a.m. on Saturday as part of the West Virginia Book Festival. West Virginia Public Broadcasting is a sponsor of the Book Festival. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 752. Areas of widespread frost this morning, becoming mostly sunny and breezy today. Highs in the 50s. Clear tonight with lows in the 30s and sunshine tomorrow with highs in the 50s and low 60s. Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Tour Save a Law. Representing firefighters, police officers, and West Virginia families. Information at TorahSaveAlaw.com. And by the Star Division at the West Virginia Higher Education Policy Commission, presenting science educator Dennis Schatz October 26th at the University of Charleston. Details at wvresearch.org. West Virginia has more than 500 miles of rail trails. The state is poised to get increased funding from recent federal legislation to build more. State officials promote such trails as drivers of economic development in places that need it. But as Curtis Tate reports, there are challenges getting the funding to cities and counties so they can make their rail trails connected to others. Thousands of miles of railroad once snaked up the hollows and river valleys of West Virginia, carrying coal and passengers. Some of the state's rail lines still serve that purpose. Others serve a new one, building West Virginia's tourism economy. West Virginia has nationally recognized rail trails. They include the North Bend Rail Trail, which covers 72 miles from Parkersburg to just west of Clarksburg, and the Greenbrier River Trail, which runs 77 miles along its namesake waterway. Both are state parks managed by the Department of Natural Resources. A third, the 72-mile Elk River Trail, is under construction. It will be the newest state park. West Virginia's rail trails are set to receive even more funding through the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act of last year, a 70% increase. That could mean more communities could get the chance to become trail towns, hubs of trail-related tourism in West Virginia and surrounding states. Yeah, we're really excited to potentially be a trail town in the future. That's Carly Jones, an assistant planner in Fairmont. Fairmont is working to acquire additional railroad property to expand its rail trail system. Eventually, it could be part of a 230-mile trail from Parkersburg all the way to Pittsburgh. Most of the trail will be in West Virginia. There's only about a 20-mile gap left to make it a reality. Kelly Pack, Director of Rail Trail Development for the Rails to Trails Conservancy, a national advocacy organization, says the influx of federal funds will help close the gaps. These are the communities that are really well positioned to utilize this once-in-a-generation infusion of federal dollars through the bipartisan infrastructure law. But there are challenges unlocking those federal dollars. Unlike other states, West Virginia does not have dedicated funding for the acquisition, development, and maintenance of rail trails. The state's Division of Highways administers the federal funding. 
Kent Spellman, a rail trail consultant and founder of the North Bend Rail Trail, calls the process cumbersome and dysfunctional. We need to work at the policy level to clean up those programs so that they're more accessible to communities. Spellman says some projects have been in limbo for as long as several years from the time of the award to notice to proceed. So that's that's a ridiculous amount of time for a grant to just be sitting on the shelf not being used. A new group called WV Trail, which stands for Trail and Recreation Advocacy and Information Link, aims to change that. The group was formed in 2020 and held a virtual conference last year that included mayors and tourism secretary Chelsea Ruby. This year's conference will be in person next week at the Glade Springs Resort in Beckley. It's about building a network of trail advocates, users, and managers, and making that network uh, very apparent to decision makers in West Virginia. The bipartisan infrastructure law, which President Joe Biden signed last November, means West Virginia will get $11 million a year for transportation alternatives, which are non-motorized modes such as hiking and biking trails. That's a big increase from the current $6 million, PAC says. That means a lot, especially for the types of projects that we're talking about. The new funding can help West Virginia close those remaining gaps in its rail trail system. So can other programs, such as the Abandoned Mine Land Economic Revitalization Program. A $1.5 million Amler grant from the Federal Office of Surface Mining Reclamation and Enforcement will enable the state to purchase 23 miles of abandoned Baltimore and Ohio Railroad right-of-way in Clay County. It will help close a big gap in the winding Elk River Trail. This project means a transformational change for every community through which this trail will pass. That's how Speaker Roger Hanshaw, a Clay County Republican, when he, Ruby, and Governor Jim Justice kicked off the trail's construction in 2019. The trail is now open from Heartland to Gassaway, in addition to a short section in Clendenin. Another 18 miles of trail will be built along Buffalo Creek. Trail advocates hope it can one day extend all the way into Charleston. State officials consider such projects vital to the economic future of communities hurt by the loss of coal jobs and disasters such as the catastrophic flood of 2016. Other federal programs are helping support rail trail development in West Virginia. A $1.1 million grant from the Appalachian Regional Commission helped create the Mountaineer Trail Network Recreation Authority. It's a version of the successful Hatfield-McCoy trail system in southern West Virginia without the ATVs. Sixteen counties are part of the network, and it projects an increase of one million visitors to the region in ten years, and with them, hundreds of jobs. Spellman says the authority recently hired an executive director. Um, So it, it also will be connecting communities with funding opportunities for um, the development of amenities, uh, business development opportunities, because trails without amenities are not going to be a good experience for trail users. Spellman says West Virginia's rail trails could be promoted as part of a package with other recreational opportunities and amenities. We just have to keep up the momentum and keep providing communities, counties, and trail groups with the resources they need to be successful. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. That was the eighth story in our radio series, Country Roads, the Mountain State Tourism Economy. Tune in tomorrow for the final story in our series. Visit our website to listen to stories you may have missed. (laughs) 
West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from the universe, West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Amelia Nicely, Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, David Adkins, Eric Douglas, Jessica Lilly, Liz McCormick, Randy Yoey, and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning. Mm-hmm.